Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're on cool. Is it my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Life big. All right, Go Bros. Welcome uh, to the Go Bro Room. I got Mr. Jimmy Boyd on the line, and we are going to get deep. Jim, welcome to the Go Bro Room. Hey, Pat. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, why don't you give the Go Bros uh, a little rundown on yourself so they can get to know you better, like a five-minute biography from the day you were born till today. Okay. So I was born almost 41 years ago, uh, right outside of Pittsburgh in a small town called Peters Township, Pennsylvania. And I'm the, the youngest child of four and had an awesome mom and dad, great childhood growing up outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, after high school, went to Penn State and uh, majored in business at Penn State, had a great fraternity life, had a great time uh, those four and a half years, squeezed in an extra half year. Uh, and then after school, uh, was hired by Black & Decker Corporation and worked for them for two years. And then realized that uh, although it was a great company to work for, I wasn't extremely passionate about power tools. I always knew that I wanted to help others. And a friend of my father was in the financial services business. He was actually in insurance agent for the equitable life assurance company in Pittsburgh. And after playing around a golf with he and my father, one day I said, you know what, that sounds like something I'd like to do. And so he recommended a firm out in Philly where I was living at the time and interviewed there. And I started my financial services career in 2002 and met my wife shortly before that, my wife, Jen, and we I lived in Manyunk section of Philadelphia for a while, worked in the financial services she worked. Then we bought a home in 05 in the King of Prussia area and got married in 06 and then started having a family in 09. Our first son was born and then I made a switch in firms to come over in a leadership role to the firm I'm at today in 2010 and then we had our daughter in 2011 and uh, just cranking along in my day-to-day you know, outside of being a father and husband uh, to my family is, you know, motivating and, you know, helping families and executives and business owners protect themselves, protect their families and really help them maximize uh, their cash flow. And so I'm a, you know, wealth manager and help people to think about things they normally don't think about publicly, but always in the back of their mind, they're sort of worrying about their finances and worrying about their families. So really helping them to come up with a solid game plan going forward that's awesome now are you a 
Are you like a financial planner in a sense of fee for service or do you work off of commissions or more of a broker? Kind of give everybody a little rundown on. Yeah. So, so I'm a, I'm a, so I, I started traditionally under the old model of, you know, where you, you know, do planning, essentially the, the planning was done pro bono. And then if there was a product sold out of it or, or some type of financial solution, whatever company we placed that with would pay us. So on the insurance side, that's regulated by the States. That's a commission. Uh, if it was assets, it was a fee based, uh, a fee arrangement. Um, I realized that the amount of training and knowledge and the people I'd surrounded myself were that I was offering a lot more uh, than I was getting compensated to do under that model. Uh, so that's when I switched to a fee-based model. So whenever I meet with clients now, I'm always, you know, they're paying me for my advice. So it's, it's a fee-based model. If we do uh, put any type of protection in place, whether that's life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, uh, the way that's regulated by every state is that pays a commission to us based on whatever company we place it with. So a fee-based model. So on assets and advisory and advice, that's all fee. And then on any type of insurance product that's done, that's commission. Wow, that's great. And certainly, you know, a lot comes up with these guys. I know like literally last week, I don't know if you saw this on uh, Facebook Elite, uh, one of the members asked, and maybe you could just answer this question. They said, hey, you know, what should I do for insurance? Should I buy term and buy real estate with the difference? Or should I go, you know, whole life and create a, a whole life plan? And go ahead and answer that. And I'll tell you what kind of the rundown of the answers were on Facebook. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of the, the biggest hot button topics right there. First and foremost, it's protection first. So anytime I meet with a client, I'm looking at what's the exposure to the family, to that individual, if they were to die prematurely or if they were, if they were to get sick or hurt. So in the life insurance question that came up, you know, what's better term or whole life? First and foremost, we're always putting term in place because we want to get the appropriate amount of protection. Okay. So when we're going through the underwriting process, we use something known as human life value. And human life value is a legal construct that's actually used in wrongful death and wrongful injury suits. And what it does is it takes the gross amount of persons making in a given year and how many years they have till normal retirement, which is traditionally 65. So for instance, if you have a 30-year-old that's making $100,000 a year, they have 35 years until normal retirement at $100,000 a year, their human life value would be $3.5 million dollars. That's the economic impact that a family would have if that individual were to die early. So, so the mistake- Basically, it's, it's 100,000 a year, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 100,000 a year for, 30, you know, for 35 years, that'd be you know, 3.5 million. That's what you should be covered in term. Right. And so what happens is that first and foremost, that, that family needs 3.5 million. Okay. We haven't even gotten into to cash flow yet. I think the problem is you have a lot of agents that go out that try to sell whole life to make a big commission and don't look at the appropriate exposure that a family has. Um, I have a lot of term and I have a lot of whole life, but I do them for different reasons. The portion that I have built into whole life it's another safe vehicle for me to save money and it'll be insurance that I'll have for my entire life that I'll have the ability to spend other assets that I've saved in other areas because I know behind all of those other assets is a contractual guarantee that will pay out to my family in the form of a death benefit when I do die. 
the term will have dropped off by that point. So first and foremost, it's protect the need, then look at the cash flow a person has. And I have a lot of real estate clients that, you know, they're making fifth, they're investing in their own. I'm not doing their real estate. They're, they're investing in their own real estate. They're making, you know, 12%, you know, cash on cash, 15% cash on cash. You're not ever going to see that type of return inside of a whole life contract because a whole life contract is a very conservative, safe vehicle. It's, it's a replacement for like a very high quality investment grade bond. So it's insurance first and that's what it is. So I would always recommend get the right amount of protection and term in place that's fully convertible into a permanent product in the future should you want to take any of that and make it permanent for your family or make it as part of your spend down strategy in retirement. Did that, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. I mean, and the answer online was was essentially it, it it depends on how much money you're making. Like if yep. you're, you know, if you're if some of these guys are true real estate practitioners in the sense of they depreciate so much uh, and they write off so many expenses because a lot of them are flipping that you know what I mean all at once in in the first year that their incomes are suppressed. Yep. So it may, might not make sense. While others. Um, have large companies and uh, make a shit ton of money, yep. right? And have so much cash coming out that they need a, a tax deferral, right? Yeah. And the, and then there it makes a lot of sense, right? So, and and then another question came up, and that was, and I hate to get sidetracked on this, but we might as well. What the hell? Yeah, no, it's uh, good. You know, let's say I'm I and there's some guys in the group that this is them. Right, or making a couple mil a year on a company. Yep. Let's say it's an S corp, and have been recommended to take out three hundred, three fifty a year in whole life. Are you talking face amount or premium? Probably premium. Well, the premium would be like fifty, and then the and then okay. the, the face amount would be another three hundred, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, is that three fifty a write off? No. No, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why. What, what about S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC? You know, there was some debate about that. Some people had Googled some things, and some Google answers said it was. Right. Others said, no, it's not. So can you, can you yeah. help out with that? Yeah. So the IRS is smart, okay? that They look at, because what you, what you have is life insurance itself paid with after-tax dollars, that way, the benefit when it's received down the road by family, by the business, by the partner, whoever is the beneficiary of the contract is received tax-free. We do see some individuals, and it's, it, it's a more complex topic than for this conversation. So way, it is one way to avoid the death tax on that money. Absolutely. And also, it grows tax-free. So, it's equivalent to like a Roth IRA and the fact that all that money can be accessed tax-free. So, today, if, you're gonna, if your net worth is going to be over $11 million with you and your wife, Yes, a hundred percent. That that that's that's a way to to avoid the death tax on million twelve, million thirteen, and above today, right? Yeah, how it's done, and, and you would have that owned outside of your state in what's known as an irrevocable life insurance trust. And what that would do is it, you wouldn't avoid the tax on your other assets that were that were above that eleven million. But what that life insurance would do is it provide the cash to yeah, pay you the taxes on your other assets, or that would pass tax free. Right. You would you would you would build. Right. You could build whatever was in there, would, you wouldn't have to pay taxes on. Absolutely. Correct. Okay. The, okay. 
So, so there are some plans, you'll hear like a fully insured pension plan, which is using life insurance and annuities to fund a retirement to basically set up like a defined benefit plan. Some qualified plans, some, you know, like 401k, some profit sharing type plans will have life insurance owned inside of it. But what will happen is when it's inside there, that death benefit piece will be taxable if, if it's designed a certain way. So I think where people make the mistake is our tax codes an honor system. And so just because someone did it doesn't mean it's okay in the IRS's eyes. It's just, they didn't get caught. Right. They didn't get audited. That was, right. that was the other audited. question was like, it, it doesn't come up until you get audited. Well, right. let me ask you this. So is the 50 grand, if I'm putting in 350 grand a year, yep. and 300 is, is, is going to the, the cash and, and 50 is going to premium. Yep. Is the 50 deductible if I make the policy some sort of key man policy or call it something like that? No, the, the reason why it's not again is because that death benefit, because that person that's going to be receiving the benefit from that policy down the road is going to receive that tax free. So the IRS is very strict about it. And the, the other thing too is the way policies are designed, because back in the day, the IRS was smart. They wanted to prevent all the very wealthy from dumping everything they had into life insurance because number one, it could grow and be accessed tax-free during life. And upon death, it would pass tax-free. So they set what's known as a modified endowment contract limit. And what that means is if you exceed that funding limit in any given year, the cash value inside that policy now becomes taxable. So depending on how big a policy is, how old someone, how old someone is, how the policy is designed, there's a maximum amount that you can stick into it. So what you were talking about is you have a base premium and then you stick in what's known as a paid up addition. You stick in additional cash inside that policy to help it grow faster. You just need to make sure you stick to the limit on side that. But again, um, neither one of those under the IRS rules and all the private letter rulings and everything that's been done out there would be a you know, tax deductible event. Yeah. Well, I like how you said uh, the IRS is smart, right? And um, that's the bottom line, right? Yeah. So interesting. Very interesting. Okay, great. Well, let's jump in a little bit about Jim Boyd. Let's, uh, what is your current uh, horizontal income, Jim? Okay. So my current horizontal income is 98,000, a little over 98,000 right now. Okay, cool. And so what are your monthly personal expenses? So my monthly personal expenses are right around $11,000. Okay. That's not bad, actually, with young kids at home. Uh, so what percentage are, what's that make you like 70, 79% or something? Yeah. And what I don't include in those expenses though, is I save a lot. So if I were to continue under the same savings amount that I do per month right now, I'd add about 5,000 on to that. So that would be like 16,000 because I don't really consider my saving an expense, even though I treat it like that. No, as no, no, it's not. Yeah. Like, yeah. so the way you, yeah, the way you figure it out is you're required to live, Yep. you know, mortgage, uh, which does not include principal pay down, just interest on your mortgage, yep. real estate taxes, insurances, food, college education, whatever, that would be all monthly expenses. And then yep. your horizontal income, how that covers that. And that's your, yep. that's your percentage. So you think you're, what, what percentage are you, would you say? Yeah, so I would be, let's see here, 98 divided by 12 equals 8166. So 8166 divided by, like 74%. Okay. That's about right. Okay. And then uh, what about your vertical income? What's your vertical income? 
So my vertical in vertical income this year will be uh, a little north of two hundred, so it'll be about two hundred and twenty thousand. Okay, and what's your net worth? Net worth right now is is one point one three. Okay, and what's your horizontal income consist of? So my horizontal income consists of a few different areas. Uh, one is the um, renewals on my asset-based business, so assets under management, as well as renewals from my insurance business, as well as I have uh, three properties that I in, invest in that are you know, cash flowing as well too. Okay, great. All right, so let's talk about your life happiness index. What yep. number are you? Um, you know, I am probably like an eight on that. And I have a ton of gratitude for what I have because I realize how damn lucky we are, you know, even just being born in this country and having healthy kids and having the awesome lifestyle. Uh, I just don't think I'm uh, giving as much as I can. You know, I know there's more I can give. There, there's more that, and more people I can help. Uh, I can be a better husband. Uh, I can be a better father. So that those areas there are you know areas I know I can improve. So I'm I'm very happy, uh, but I know there's a lot more that I can give. Okay, so your worst pillar then is uh, genuine contribution. Yeah, and I give a lot, but I think there's more. You know, we we have a lot, and we're lucky, so there's always more. And and we can go into that a little more, like some, some ideas I have to, to change that. Yeah, well, like, tell me about your contribution currently, like, but as a percentage, right? So you're making, let's say, 300 grand. If you gave 30,000 a year to charity, or the equivalent of 30,000 in, in money and time, the charity, yeah. that, you would be a 10%, yep. right? Give back yep. ratio. If you gave 3,000, that would be 1%. What, yep. What percentage are you? Uh, right now, as far as just straight monetarily, give 20. So, so I'm low on that end. And I, I am increased now. We're sponsoring a family for, for Christmas through a charity we do a lot of work with um, just to get pre people battling cancer and, and to help buy presents and you know food for them for Christmas. Um, and then time-wise, I, I do a lot of pro bono talks in front of different groups about planning. Uh, I, I coach my kids' teams. So different areas there. I want to increase the monetary uh, amounts. Uh, but as far as time-wise, we definitely do a lot of that as well too. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about your health here. What, uh, how much do you weigh now? I'm about 181 right now. All right. And uh, what's your body fat, you think? I don't know. I eat well. I'm, I'm sure it's higher than it needs to be, but you know, I'm pretty thin, so I don't know the exact amount on that. All right. So what do you do for exercise? I, I swim three days a week, and then I do weights another two. Okay, perfect. How far do you swim? Uh, typically 70 to 75 laps. When I'm doing so a little, you know, miles, about 62. So a little over a mile each time I do I remember it. I, 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 I remember when I was swimming and Rock Thomas was swimming at the same time and we had this ongoing debate about how many laps is a mile and we fought over it for probably a year because I was like, Rock, you're an idiot, it's this. And he's like, no, Pat, you're an idiot, it's this. And it ended up being at the end of the day that uh, in Canada they have different pool lengths. Oh, you're right, because they're probably <laughs> meters as opposed to yards. and Yes. So 
<laughs> there's a huge difference between a yard pool and a meter pool. There's a meter pool near my office. It's, it's called the Upper Main Line Y that I swim at every once in a while. And they have a, they have a 50 meter outdoor pool. Where the YMCI I swim at pretty regularly is a 25 yard pool. And there's a, I mean, obviously 25 and 50, you're talking two different ones, but there's a big difference between 50 yards and 50 meters when you're swimming over a long period of time. Yeah, it was funny. All right, cool. Well, that, that that's a great exercise. I know. I mean, it uh, it uh, saves so many joints, and uh, and it's great for your lung capacity. So that's yeah. awesome. So okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, your bucket list and your greatest hits. So every country music star or rock star has a greatest hits album, and I'm curious as to what Jim Boyd's greatest hits album what are the five most poignant moments in your life so far that you would say if you were to die and the thing that happens in the movies where five images flash back across the movie screen right before you die what, what are those five images are jim Pat, that's an area i need to work on a little more uh, i've had some good local uh, vacations, going to the shore, doing California and a couple things like that. But, uh, you know, as far as what I want to do, you know, with my kids and places I want to show them, that that's an area that I definitely need to get better on. Uh, well, well, let's talk about like, you know, for you though, personally, like for you, like, you know, clearly maybe the day you got married is one. Okay. You know, you're talking just, just yeah, events. Okay, yeah. Events, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I, I think the, the ones that jump out right away or are the birth of your two kids. I, I remember just how nervous I was whenever we had our son, Michael. He's our oldest when he was born, and you, you just want him to be healthy, and you're just so nervous. And I, I will never forget at first because I'm you know, with my wife when she's you know, giving birth, and I'm, I'm – you know, near where, you know, the birth canal is. And I remember the first thing I saw is I saw just the teeny part of a head. And I thought, oh my God, something's wrong with my child's head. They have a very small head. And then like a minute later, boom, the whole head pops out. It was just like that soft top part of the head. And, and in that instant, man, I, you know, was just so thankful. And then you realize just how many, you know, individuals have such a hard thing when they have a child with special needs because you realize instantly how much you love that baby and you never want anything to hinder their ability to enjoy life or to suffer or anything like that. So that, that's a moment that really sticks out and will stick out in my head forever is just how like relieved and how happy and how thankful I was, you know, when he was born healthy. And then, you know, obviously my daughter being born healthy was another uh, another big one and you know Jen and I's wedding day you know, we, we had dated for a while before then so we had some other great you know moments uh, it was an awesome day but you know that as a guy I don't know that's not like I was like oh my god it was it was the craziest thing ever I think meeting Jen and some of the you know the fun dates we had and getting to know each other even before the wedding day were, were awesome uh, some different trips with my family like my parents both passed away in 2016 and mm. You know, when, when something like that, it caused you to reflect and look back. And my dad was always so awesome with, you know, including all of us on trips. He, he was in sales. And whenever he'd win a work trip, he would always take the kids along too. And we, you know, the Bahamas, um, 
St. John's. And one time we went to this, this private island. It was called Cat Key. It was about 90 miles off Miami. And we flew in on a water plane. And I remember it was the same airlines that Crockett and Tubbs used to, I think, use in Miami Vice. Back <laughs> in the so, man, it was so cool because it was back in the 80s. And that's one that really sticks out in my head of just being with my family, snorkeling every day with the beach right out front, uh, you know, drove around on golf carts on that island. Like it was just a really neat adventure. And those are things I'm going to do with, with my kids. Now they're at an age, they're uh, eight and six where we can start doing those things where they'll remember it. And, and I definitely want to do, and we'll do that. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good stuff. All right. Let's wrap this up, uh, Jim, with our, our flagship question here. And that is this. So, and I want you to answer this in the uh, first person, okay? So you're not talking to me. You're talking to somebody else, whoever you choose, okay? And so let me just hit you with this question, and then you're going to talk to someone else. So you're on a plane, and it's going down. You have 30 seconds uh, to pick up the phone and call someone before it crashes into the fiery abyss. Go. Calling my son. My, call my son, Michael. And say, you know what? I love you so much. You make me so proud. Uh, don't ever let fear stop you. You know, with things you fear, go after it. Always be a good person. Help others like I know you will. You know, be thankful for what you have and always stand for what's right and for helping those less fortunate. And make sure you have a hell of a good time because it's all going to be over soon. And make it a great life. There you go, buddy. That's so well said. In such a short period of time. Well, listen, Jim, I'm going to put all of Jim's information in the show notes here on the GoBundance podcast. And uh, Jim, thanks so much for coming on and uh, look forward to seeing you in uh, Steamboat or wherever we uh, meet next. Pat, always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for being real and thanks so much for, uh, for asking me to be on this. Grab life big.